This is going to be the special for church today. Uh, Brother Sam Pope had the special today, and we've been working on this for a while, and oh, it is so good. Y'all are in for a blessing, I'm telling you. I loved, I loved it because when we first started singing, I said, I'm not going to pick a soloist. I want one of you to fill it on your heart to do it. And he called the next week and said, anybody got that solo yet? I said, no. So uh, Brother Sam's going to sing, and the title is You Were There. You 
great to see everybody, and I sure did appreciate that special. That was amazing. I don't know if I have ever heard that. If I've heard it, it sounded familiar. It's been a while. And certainly God is there during our rough times, good times. I appreciate Miss Denise for putting a reminder bulletin flyer in the bulletin. It's also going to be in the paper and a newspaper. Also dropped off at our local sheriff's office, police departments. How many in here have had a chance already to see this movie? Lift your hands. Several. How many have not seen this movie? Lift your hands. Great. A lot more. Uh, be here next Sunday night. Uh, it's the fifth Sunday, so it'll be a little different order of service. We won't be having BTC. We'll just have the movie night. And so 6 o'clock, uh, I know some churches on fifth Sunday do a singing. Uh, we need to one fifth Sunday, and we haven't had a singing in a while that I can recall. But uh, special opportunity this Sunday night. Also, still, people are talking about the banquet that we did for the law enforcement officers back in September. I think that was an excellent uh, outreach, and it was a service, really, that you as a church chose to provide for our community, and I want to applaud you for that. Many people pitched in to make that possible, and I and it you know it was a just a, it was as evident. And if I slow down, it was an expense and an opportunity for service that I think our church thoroughly enjoyed and was able to provide. Uh, quickly, starting a new series this morning. I will not be able to finish this series before we head out to the Philippines, which will be exactly one month from today. Uh, Sister Karen and myself, the church is sending us, uh, will be missing Two and a half Sundays on the uh, 11th, we'll be back. We'll miss that Sunday morning because we'll actually be landing right before church begins in Little Rock if everything's on time. I'll be here for that night services. Karen says, you're going? I'm resting. <laughs> and uh, I know she will be wore out, and uh, I will uh, be here. I'll tough it out and uh, try to make it. Uh, it'll be a... Coming back, you can ask Trey or Brother Bobby Shockley, is more difficult than going uh, just because of the time difference, 13 hours uh, difference between here and there. Uh, so that's halfway around the world. If you figure it right, there's only 24 time zones on this planet. And so 13 of them, that's basically as halfway as you can get. All right? <clears throat> uh, Elijah and Elisha servants of the Most High God. There are 14 recorded miracles in the Bible that Elijah participated in. Uh, matter of fact, if you have access, don't do it now on your phone or internet. You can uh, type in Google, you can say list of miracles for Elijah and Elisha, any word order you want. There's a particular website that has them all listed. Very easy. I printed it out. It's laying by my desk. And I was looking through it. We're going to cover Elijah's first four. And then there, Elijah had this student, if you will, an associate pastor, if you will. And he was following, learning from Elijah. His name was Elisha, 
Very easy to get those two kind of confused. And there are 28 recorded miracles that Elisha, pardon me, performed or was involved in in his ministry. 27 of them while he was physically alive. And it's pretty neat, the story I shared with some. Matter of fact, in my new class, Bible Manners and Customs, in my new class, Bible Manners and Customs, I was able to share some of this with my students about uh, the neat legend that it grew. And I've shared it at church before. Many of you may remember it. And that is this. Whenever Elisha, the second guy, was dead, and they took his, they buried him, obviously. One day, some Israelite army guys were on the run from the Moabites. And they, and they were running from the Moabites, and they said, we got to hide, we got to hide. And they came across this sepulcher, and they opened it, and they threw their friends. They had a friend who had been shot and killed, their friend's dead body in this tomb. And they, they jumped in and hide, hid. excuse me. And they, when they jumped in, when they threw their friend's dead body into this tomb, it happened to be Elisha's tomb. The second guy, Elijah's first, Elisha's second. And when they threw their friend's dead body into there, guess what happened? Their dead friend's body hit Elisha's bones and their dead friend came back to life. That's a miracle that Elisha performed even after he was physically dead. Now that's an amazing story. What is even more amazing is the legend that grew out of the Old Testament scriptures. And that is this, uh, 1987, I was in seminary in Minden, Louisiana, and we had an archaeologist come in to lecture us from a, about Bible, arch, biblical archaeology from a Christian's viewpoint. And he said, you know, a lot of secular archaeologists would go over to Israel and be involved in digs and whatnot, and they would go into these tombs and they could not figure out why Everywhere they would dig, sometimes there would be people chained inside of tombs. They said, what in the world? Why would you chain? I mean, obviously this person was alive whenever he was chained inside of these tombs. And so they, and all of a sudden it dawned on a Christian archaeologist one day, and he put two and two together, and he found it corroborated in other places in history. And that is from the legend of throwing their friend's dead body into Elisha's tomb. His dead body, that soldier's dead body, touching Elisha's bones and their friend coming back to life. They, there was a legend born. And that is that tombs had healing properties. From that, we have a biblical account. The biblical account of whenever a fellow by the name of Legion... Jesus ran across one day. Remember the story? The fellow was a demoniac, he's called in one place. In other words, he had a thousand demons living inside of him. Now, you heard of possession. That fellow was possessed. A thousand demons. That's a thousand personalities all in that one guy. And so, but it says in Scripture that that fellow was chained in the tombs. Why? What in the world? I mean, that certainly wasn't a jail cell. I guess it could have been. But it's, the Bible says he would break his chains, his fetters in one place, 
and run out into the wilderness, they'd recapture him. They'd put him back in the tombs and chain him up because of the legend that happened. Not That's one scriptural example or biblical, but that's where the legend was born from. So that's just, to me, one of the neat observances or things that we can learn from looking at these men. Today, 1 Kings chapter 17, I would like to ask you at this time to stand for the reading of God's Word. We're just going to read not the whole chapter. I know in the text it says we're covering the whole chapter. But let's take off reading 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I pray that this would be an answered prayer to somebody this morning, that people would realize how that you worked in the Old Testament and in the New. Pray that we'd realize we need to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. There are... Oh... <clears throat> uh, A lot of answered prayers. Do you believe God answers prayers? Say amen. He has answered prayers this week. I have had the opportunity to, to hear of some answered prayers, and that's always a blessing when people share with me answered prayers. If you've been encouraged by somebody this week, remember this. Share that encouragement with others. If you've been encouraged this week, last week, share it with somebody else. It'll be an encouragement to other people. Some of you have heard me tell this story. I can't help but tell it again. Uh, Country church out in the middle of nowhere during rough times. And that's exactly the title of the lesson. Faithful in difficult times. We need to be faithful to God in difficult times. There was some difficult times facing this churches. And there was two hoodlums that heard about this widow lady praying that God would help her make it through the uh, famine and through the tough times. This might have occurred during the Great Depression. I don't know. And uh, and they heard that there, and she was praying for just food to eat. I need food to eat. I'm praying, God, would you give me food to eat? Every day, these two hoodlums would take a sack of groceries and put it on that lady's front porch. She would go out there early in the morning, wake up, look, and there would be a sack of groceries on her front porch. And she would say, thank you, God, for giving me groceries. And uh, just grab the groceries and go on in. This went on for a week. And uh, she did it the seventh day. And finally, 
uh, those two hoodlums walked up as she was giving God thanks, saying, God, thank you for this seventh day sack of groceries, for food to eat during these tough times. Those two hoodlums trying to be smart, Alex, said, well, we want to tell you God wasn't giving you those groceries. It was us. We were providing them all along, putting them on your front porch to show you that God doesn't answer your prayers. It was us. She said, well, praise God. I tell you what, if, a, if the Lord can feed Elijah with two ravens, he can take two old buzzards like you and feed me. And so it doesn't matter whether it's ravens or buzzards. God can use anybody for answered prayer, okay? And that's a great story. In this lesson, we have, first of all, the very first thing, looking at no rain in the land. I think about uh, what, you know, as it couldn't have been timed any better as they were singing the song because the examples in the song, he, God, you were there for Moses. God, you were there for Jacob and Joseph and all the other people they named. You were there for Stephen, even though he lived a short life. Think about it. Stephen, who was in Acts chapter 6 and 7, was killed in the middle of his life, but he was killed for being faithful to God. And then I think about, just like in my introduction, how that during great difficulty, Joseph, Moses, Noah, Daniel, I mean, think about it, he is living as a slave. He can't even go home to worship God anymore. But they were faithful in difficult times. I'm going to grab two places of Scripture in my Bible. If you'll follow along with me, if you've picked up a bulletin, just look at, uh, of course, Daniel chapter 12, and then Revelation, the very last book in God's Word, chapter 12 also. <laughs> so Daniel chapter 12. And then Revelation chapter 12. I don't have mine pre-marked. Just getting there myself. There we go. Daniel chapter 12. This is the significance of three and a half years. Now, it just says later on in 1 Kings that there was no land for three years and some days. In other places, it's mentioned in the New Testament the exact time that there was no rain. Notice it said no rain nor dew. And that's pretty dry. Some of you have seen when it's, I mean, no dew. It's dry when there's no rain and no dew. For three and a half years, uh, the Bible mentions three and a half years. Every time, it's not good. You say, and I mentioned Jesus' ministry. He had a rough ministry. Three and a half years. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. And at that time shall Michael, that's the archangel, Stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was, since there was a nation even to the same time. And at the time thy people shall be delivered, every one that it shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. This is talking about the resurrection. Some to everlasting life, some to shame and contempt. There's two resurrections, one for the saved, one for the lost. 
And this is basically 1 through 7 is covering the entire end times. Don't try to take it as any more than that. It's just a big summary of the end times. And they that shall be wise shall shine as brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the word, seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. Well, we're definitely living in those days. Knowledge has increased drastically. And then I, Daniel, stood and behold, there stood two others on the other side of the bank and the river and on the other side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was on the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand, his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, that's one year, a times, that's two years, if you add that together, that's three, and then it says, and a half. That's three and a half years of bad times, sometimes called Jacob's trouble. And then if you go and look at Revelation chapter 12, it talks about the woman being uh, attacked, and the woman is Israel. She's going to be attacked in the end times, called the tribulation period. And Revelation chapter 12 and verse 6 It says, the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared for God, of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. That's a thousand two hundred and sixty days, which is right at three and a half years. In the Bible, three and a half years is associated with great difficulty, with great tribulation. Well, I, I tell you what, many people have struggled in your life. You have had struggles. I guarantee you add up all the struggles in your life, it probably has lasted longer than three and a half years. But maybe it wasn't three and a half straight years. But folks, in the Bible, three and a half is consistently with times of trouble, times of difficulty. Then, of course, there's no rain in the land. No rain brings a famine, and no rain signifies God shutting off His blessings. Now, let me ask you this. If right now, somehow, God were to say to you, I'm not going to bless you the rest of your life. You're just going to live with no blessings. Let me ask you, would you keep serving God? Have you ever thought of that question before? And you say, well, God's not going to stop blessing but what if, he, what if he somehow told you that he wasn't going to bless you anymore? Would you still serve him? Would you still go to church? A lot of times that we realize why we come to church. Are we just coming to church just to try to stay on God's good side? Or do you come to church? Do you serve him? Do you live for him? Do you read your Bible? Because I love him. He saved me. I'm going to heaven. And even even if He doesn't ever give me anything else, will I still love Him and serve Him? See, that's a more accurate question. Why do we come to church? Why do we do what we do? No rain. And I'm not going to... I do want to read Amos. But James just says that Elijah prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. He prayed again and... 
Man, the story of the rain coming is cool. But that's not till next Sunday. Or the next Sunday, I forget. I think it's two Sundays from now. Go to the book of Amos. In the Old Testament, take off. This is really good. book of Amos, we'll pick it up in chapter 8. Just to give you a hint, it's right before Obadiah. <laughs> Why, well, I don't even know where that is. Well, it's there, trust me. Amos chapter 8, it's one of the minor prophets. Obadiah is the shortest book. I was doing my daily Bible reading this week, and on my uh, the most downloaded Bible app, and whether it's iTunes, Apple Market, or the Android Market, either one, the most downloaded Bible app, period, is called the Version Bible. If you have a smartphone, get it. Start reading your Bible every day. You have no excuse. I did find and put some more daily Bible reading tracks in the track rack back there. If you don't have one in your Bible, if you want to use that, it's great. If you have a smartphone, use that, or whatever it takes. If you need me to come over and send you a text at 8 a.m. every morning, I'll set my phone to remind you to send you a text so you'll read your Bible every day if you want me to. I am that desirous of you reading your Bible every day. Even if you don't understand it, read it. It doesn't matter. There's a blessing just to read it. The Bible says there's a blessing just to read it. But uh, in my reading, there was a deal on down in that Bible app, I'd have to get it out to hunt it and find out where I read it. But the title of the little essay inside the Version Bible app, now some of the older ones are saying, what is he saying? Okay, but most of y'all know what I'm saying. It's a little program on the phone where they read their Bible every day. Okay, inside that program or app as we call it, it said the title of this essay was, Did You Read My Book? It's a mythical story about us going to heaven and running into, you know, we see Peter, James, John, Jesus. Oh, man, Jesus, you're walking the streets of gold, and you run into a fellow named Obadiah. And he says, have you ever, did you read my book? And, uh, and you say, well, I, I really, when I was alive, I didn't have time to read my book. And uh, he says, it was just a few verses long. You didn't have time to read my book? It wasn't but just a few verses long. Take the, if you never read a book of the Bible, I guarantee, read Obadiah this afternoon. Not while I'm preaching, okay? And read Obadiah this afternoon. You know what you'll say before your head hits the pillow t- tonight? Especially if you do it for your afternoon nap. You'll say, I've read a book of the Bible today, okay? And you can brag everybody. I'll give you permission to brag about that, okay? If you'll do that for me. But Amos, there's a famine in the land. The Bible says in Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. There is a famine today. No, not as many people. There are more people on the planet today than have never read a verse in the Bible than in the history of mankind. Did you know that? There are more, and you say, well, let's do the population increase. Well, yes, I'm sure. There are more people on the planet. Therefore, there are more people that have not read one verse. I remember uh, 
talking to uh, a friend of mine who lived in South Louisiana, and uh, they went to a Catholic church. And we just sat down. They went to Catholic, and they went to Mass, and uh, they would go through their routine at church. But they said, nobody has ever, ever done this with me, preacher. They just called me preacher. And nobody's ever, you know what I did? I read the Bible with them. I sat down, opened the Bible on their coffee table, and we looked up a verse. They said, I, this has never happened before. What? Somebody reading the Bible? He said, you've never read it? No, I just go to church. I just go to Mass, and we do, do our thing. And that's it. But I've never cracked the book open. But there's so many people even here in this earth, even here in this United States that have never read this. There is a famine in the land. A famine of what? A famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Being fed by the ravens back in our text. We can't stay too long on the famines. I've got you. Y'all have been really good for a few more minutes. Hang in there. Revelation, excuse me, First Kings 17. Verse 2, this had never been done before. He said, uh, go down by the brook Cherith. Basically, this was a man's world. I'm going camping. He's a prophet. He said, go down there. And he knew that the water was good down there. You can eat and you can drink. That's all you need. He's down there. He's waiting. Everybody's worried. And we don't, we're not sure exactly the time frame here. But he's down there until the brook dries up. The ravens are bringing him food. You know, the raven naturally is a scavenger bird. Crow, if you will. Raven's the first cousin, if you will. And uh, it's a very selfish bird. Matter of fact, when Noah let the first bird off the ark, the raven went out there and never came back. So what happened to the raven? Nobody knows. But most of the time, then he sent out a dove. Dove's more of a clean animal, won't mess with what a raven will. Imagine all the dead flesh that was floating around during the, after being a year on the ark and the carcasses and all that and floating around the water and what have you. But the raven normally is an unclean, very selfish animal, always looking out for itself. But God used even the selfish raven to feed Elijah. This tells me a couple of things real quick. Number one, think about it. When you're going, this is difficult days. You're talking about Great Depression. Our country has been through a Great Depression. And there are a few people still alive in our church that were alive during what our country calls the Great Depression. Here, right now. And there's really, we haven't experienced another one exactly like that. We've experienced a lot of recessions. But think about this. And a lot of you have been through a lot of tough times. And when you go through a tough time, this is God's promise. Just like the song, He was there. This is what's going to happen. God's going to use something totally unexpected to take care of you. Something that you never saw before. You've never expected it. You never saw it coming. God, what in the world? And he's seen these ravens bringing me a sack lunch, if you will. And there it is to eat. I go down there, get some water out of the brook. There I'm done for the day. He's camping. God 
will take care of you from an unexpected source. I don't know. Can't explain it. You can't even guess at what God is going to do. But the thing is, Elijah was faithful in order to get that. He was faithful. Moving on, uh, verse 9 through 16. I called it the all-you-can-eat buffet. I got some of your attention right then. All-you-can-eat buffet. But I'm afraid to say this is just going to be unleavened bread and water. <laughs> okay? 9 through 16. Well, everybody's having a tough time. He says, okay, God finally comes to Elijah and says, it's time to get up. Go to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon. There's a widow woman there, and I've commanded her. She's going to take care of you. So he arose, went to Zarephath, and he came to the gate of the city. And behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, comma. She was a believer, I believe. She believed in the same God that Elijah was serving. She's just a regular widow lady who believes and trusts in the God of Israel. And all she's got left, she says, I'm, me and my son, it's all that's left. We're pretty sure the dad's dead. And it says that I'm, of course, widow lady, I'm gonna make a cake. Me and, that's all I got left. We're gonna make one and it's, when it says cake in the King James Version, it just means a little flat loaf of unleavened bread. That's it. You can look it up. Just a little loaf of bread. And guess what? We're going to eat it and that's it. It's all gone. I got enough oil in there and enough flour to make this and we're going to eat it and die. Because guess what's going on? Great depression. Famine. No water. We may eat it and die. That's the end of verse 12. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Wait a second. Most people, when they come to me with bad news, and I say, somehow or another, it's going to be all right. I don't know how. The preacher doesn't know everything. Thank the Lord. I'd go nuts if I did. And sometimes ignorance is bliss. <laughs> and uh, But I say, I don't know how, but it'll be okay. People sometimes look at me like I'm crazy. So I imagine whenever Elijah said, told the widow lady, fear not, she says, easy for you to say. He said, listen, the barrel of meal and the water, the oil is not going to run out. This is crazy. He said, first of all, you got to make me a cake first. That means a loaf of bread. That's verse 13. And then you're going to make one for you and your son. Verse 14 says, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. That's three and a half years. Now that's a load Think about it. Now this is, I, can, I don't know what, how you picture this in your mind. She's got a container. We've got a container in our, uh, <clears throat> those three pitchers. Some of you have four. Normally our biggest one's sugar. Imagine that. 
The next one's flour. Right now we have three. The next one's best staple in the world. Coffee. That's right. Coffee. Every time she opened her canister, I don't know what it was in. Probably some sort of pottery. There's more. Flour, meal, you call it whatever you want. That's crazy. Just, oh, by the way, whenever she poured out the oil, there was enough for the day, which teaches us a lesson. God gives you what you need every day. That's a neat lesson. So she's pouring out the oil, enough to make a cake every day. Every time she pours it, she says, wow. And she poured, and guess what? And it sustains her, for her and her son, for three and a half years. She's at her wit's end. But the thing is, guess what she did? Verse 15, she doesn't argue. And I was making fun, saying, well, it's easy for you to say. But I'm sure, folks, if she's like any of us, she probably thought about it. But, folks, if I'm serving the Lord, I have my doubts, but I do, I try to do what God expects me to do. I think she probably was the same way. She probably said, that sounds too good to be true. That sounds too incredible. But I, guess what? Verse 15. She went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And her and her house means her family ate many days. Then it goes from bad to worse. Some of you have had that happen to you or your friends. Verse 17 through 24. And that is this. You've been going through a rough time and you're saying, Lord, get me through this rough time. And then all of a sudden, something that you say, Lord, why are you allowing this to happen? This then went from bad to worse. Because guess what happens? The lady's closest family member, her son, dies. And it came to pass after these things, verse 17, that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, and that mistress just means the owner of the house, fell sick, and she, her, uh, and this, his sickness was so that he, his breath left him. Basically, he died. And she said to Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin into remembrance and to slay my son? Folks, let me stop right there. Do not pass up verse 18 if you have your Bible open. Many, many people in this room, you have asked God, God, are you allowing this to happen to me because of my sin? She is no different. There's been many people. Don't. God is not in the punishment business. Let me explain that. He is in the chastising business. He does. If you're not doing right, He will chastise you. Now, I had a lady tell me one time, she said uh, she lived a wild life. And uh, this is somebody I used to pastor years and years ago over in Texas. And she said, uh, Brother Michael, is do you think God's allowing this to happen to me today? This is 25 years later because of the way I lived when I was a teenager and in my 20s. And I told her, no. 
Did you confess that sin to God at any point in time and say, God, I'm sorry, I messed up. Would you forgive me? Folks, God does not, after you ask him to forgive you, he does, he puts that sin as far as the east is from the west and he remembers it no more. Now, if you say, well, uh, there, are, there is still a reaping process that's a natural reaping process. Kind of like if, if somebody has premarital sex and uh, there's a consequences for that, God still forgives for any sin. But if there's consequences, pregnancy or something else or whatever, though, there's still forgiveness, but consequences still happen. Okay, that's two different things. What I'm trying to say is, she thought, the very first thought, she said, my son has died because something I did years ago, or because I've messed up. If you ask God to forgive you, he's forgiven you. This is just, folks, our lives are full of sin. People get cancer that don't deserve it. Job lost everything. He didn't deserve it. There's lots of good people that have bad things happen to them. Don't think just because you have something bad happen to you that God is punishing you for something years ago. He's not. Only one person puts anybody on a guilt trip spiritually, and that's the devil. God doesn't do He convicts, but he doesn't put you on a guilt trip. Satan's the master of that. He's behind. He reminds you of your past. He, that's who, what the devil does. He reminds you of your past, your faults, your failures. Folks, if you confessed it to God, he says, it's finished. I've done it. I've forgiven you. And it's forgiven. Yes, sometimes we have to reap our consequences. But that's not punishment. That's just life. Life's not always fair. That's when God says, I'll be there with you through the storm. Elijah laid on him and breathed. He healed him through Elijah. Verse 22, I'm going to finish two verses. Brother Norman, we're fixing to get ready. Y'all, we're fixing to get ready. Verse 22, the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul, that means life, of the child came into him again, and he revived. Verse 24, and the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in thy mouth is truth. By the way, they did not have anything in Elijah's day, but probably the law, which was the first five books of the Bible. Now how do you know the prophets speaking truth? Well, they would perform miracles, or they would prophesy, and if it didn't come to pass, they were to kill the prophet. Now that's you better be careful if you claim to be a prophet in those days. You better do a miracle or your word better be true. My word better be true today. We don't do miracles today. God still may. He doesn't need me to do it. But my word better match this word. Matter of fact, isn't that shouldn't that be for all of us? So that's what he that's why she said that. I know you're a prophet from God because I see what you've done. Because God worked through your life. Follow me real close in my logic because God is logic. Logic just means order. <laughs> you know God's a God of order. 
God's word never contradicts itself. And that's really cool. And I love consistency, and so does God. It's the way we should live our lives. We're not perfect by any means. That's why we need him to help us and forgive us, help us through every problem. No matter what you're going through, God is faithful, even in difficult days. Brother Norman, as we prepare for him, would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, I want to bow before you, thanking you for your blessings. Father, just asking that you would work in our lives. If there's somebody here this morning, they're under conviction. That means they, that you want them to do something or to respond to you. I pray they would realize what you want them to do. Not what other people want, but what you want them to do. Give us courage. In Jesus' name, amen.